building downtown. Building downtown. Hey, yo, it's downtown. building downtown. You can follow us on social media at the building DT. You can follow and subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, TalkShoe, wherever you get your your podcast from. I'm your host, Jason Kelly. You can follow me at JKellyMMA. You can follow my co-host, Krill Kasatsky, at Krill Raps, and my other co-host, Amy Bart at Ames Bell. So through the years of doing podcasts and covering media in different industries, I've had some real fucking strange requests, but here's one for you. Today, I get to pretend to be an old fucking lady. So let's see who catches on to this one. I think our guests might. Picture it. It's 2021. We're on the billion downtown. It's a beautiful day in Canada, except we're in lockdown. We have the wonderful Amy Barton with us in Ohio, getting ready to make major moves in her life. Hopefully it's sunny there as well. And a man who likes to punch people in the face all the way down in Albuquerque, New Mexico, by the name of Isaac, Va- Isaac Valley Flag. How's it going tonight, my man? Oh, it's going wonderful. Uh, just feeding the dogs after work and kind of sitting down on the couch. How are you? I'm doing good. So how did I do with my Sophia? What's that? How did I do with my Sophia intro? From fucking Golden oh, okay. Girls, I hear, I hear that's your shit. Uh, I do like some, I like some old Golden Girls. Sophia, Sophia is my, uh, is my girl. She's kind of a, she's like a bitter old, uh, kind of a bitter old queen, and I kind of like that. <laughs> I haven't seen that show in fucking years, but I remember Blanche. She was the you very would. promiscuous one, to say the least. You would remember yes. that, yes. What a hoe. So. Uh, yeah, Gold Girls is is man. It used to be my shit. I used to so that was my show with my mom. Watching that with my mom growing up, and it kind of has always stuck with me. Is is uh as actually kind of a a cool show, you know. And looking back at it now, it's like I think I got a lot of my my kind of weird uh, <laughs> weird humor from it too, you know. Uh, it's kind of especially from Sophia because she is just kind of like. Uh, very sarcastic and shitty, you know, which I did. <laughs> it's honestly not a joke. That is one of my favorite things about you is your love for the show. <laughs> yes. Of all the things, that's what I love. Yes, yeah, that's it. She really does. Like she yeah. has told me many a times that like you guys are like golden girls buddies and shit, and she loves it. Yes. You you get a kick out of the show. Don't you have like a fucking like a paperweight or some shit or a <laughs> or something? <laughs> I have a Golden Girls chia head and some Golden Girls socks. And <laughs> it's kind of my mom, whenever whenever a holiday rolls around, she'll give me something Golden Girls. This is my favorite night. Okay. That's what you need your walkout song to be, the Golden Girls theme song. Jeez. Yeah, right? Now we're talking. So I, I do hear, though, send some business. Uh, you're still looking for a fight? Are you still in that uh, predicament? Well, uh, yeah, definitely still looking for a fight. Uh, you know, I'm hoping with everything starting to kind of open up a little bit that they're going to, you know, when everything really started opening, they were going after all the, the young guys and managers were trying to put the prospects in. And, and that's all that, uh, uh, that's all that kind of the organizations wanted. So now I'm hoping that they, they're, they want an old guy to beat up, uh, you know, maybe want to make one of their prospects look good. No, I, I, I like to use the reverse psychology and just think that they're going to beat the old guy up because I mean, that's what we're good for at this point is getting beat up. But, uh, what, what about the Jake Paul fight? You're going to put your, would you put your name in the, the mix for that? If you got it? Oh yeah, of course. But I mean, I'm just not that big of a name, you know, I am, uh, you're not I, Floyd Mayweather, not Floyd Mayweather. And I, I, I actually talked to a buddy of mine, 
who is helping to find some old MMA people for for like Triller and other other oh, organizations. No. Really? And, uh, yeah, but I'm I'm again I'm not that big of a name, you know. I'm not I'm not what they're looking for. I'm not a Frank Mir or a Anderson Silva or anything like that, you know. Yeah, that Anderson one is a little scary. Um, I don't know if he should be uh, boxing someone of that caliber at this point in his life. Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, and then there's, you know, the, the well, Logan Paul is boxing Floyd. I don't, I just don't get it. Well, I get it. I it's money. That's what it is. But I mean, anyone that thinks Logan Paul has a hope in hell. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just going to be like Mario Kart and he slips on a banana peel or some shit. There's no way he's right. going to beat Floyd Mayweather. It's, you know, it's, it is really, so there, there's just, Whatever they're doing with the marketing around fighting and pop culture right now is really working because it is it's getting it's getting eyes on some weird some weird matchups where people are making money off of it. So at the end of the day, that's what what everybody cares about, you know. So I guess hats off to them for that. But I think it's just all this stuff is super weird as far as fighting sports go these days. Yeah, it's a spectacle through and through. Yeah. Can we just blame the pandemic? Can we do that? No. I, I, uh, yeah we can't it's just been it's been going that way you know yeah i wish we could but like it's the whole even in mma like what used to be you know they're more going more towards kind of like the pro wrestling aspect of of uh of getting heels and, and stuff like that to talk trash to each other and it's kind of uh it's one of the things that i really honestly hate about the sport these days yeah um i, I think like the the Start of it was probably Brock Lesnar with the UFC, but at least there was some skill there, wrestling wise, anyways, not striking. But yeah, by the time you know, fast forward to CM Punk, look, what the hell are we doing here, guys? Especially in the UFC, the biggest league in the world, you're supposed to have the best fighters in the world. You wouldn't see the NHL, the NBA, or another major league doing some bullshit like that. Like Nate Diaz said one time in an interview that uh, they wouldn't put Stefan Struve in the NBA just because he's seven feet tall, right? No, it wouldn't, you know, and it's uh, you know, I always I kind of go back and forth with it because hats off for to to Phil for kind of living his dream and getting to fight in UFC, but then it it's kind of like the circus sideshow on the UFC's part was yeah. kind of a bummer on that in that respect, you know. Yeah, and so, uh, the- I'm co- wait, I'm confused though with you, Ike, because you have this really interesting mix of like enjoying the freak show of it all, and, and like this is a general statement, but we'll apply it to Triller and and the. Paul brothers and all this as well but you seem to enjoy the freak show element of it and you obviously always have some quip about it but then at the same time sometimes you seem a little irritated like why are we doing this and I just can't put my finger on which you are more of well I I, so I think the troll in me really enjoys the the freak show of it but like the serious competitor who's done this for like a lot of his life it gets annoyed by it you know I mean it's uh, I think all of us have the I, I think if you aren't kind of if, if you're black or white on this because the freak show is kind of fun uh you know if you, but and and uh and the other half of it is the serious athletic part of it is 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 really what you're, you're there for but if you're so black or white that you can't see like the weird gray area and how it's kind of how it's kind of fun i think you're you know you're kind of not human you know or you're just super I mean, the super polarized thing of having to hate it or having to like it of today's society, I think, is is kind of bleeds over to that. I mean, like, it's and you funny. can't. Just... It's fun because it's funny. Yeah. 
right? But I really hope that um, Mayweather is just going to kind of turn the lights off a little bit there. <laughs> a little calm, bit. Calm, calm them down. Just calm them down a little bit. I mean, you know what I mean? Like their whole, this little right that they can, you know what I mean? Come off yeah. the ring with real fighters and all that. I think he's going to beat both of them up because Jake. He said he wants to do them one night. He's like, give this punk his paperwork. We're going to do it open one night. Yeah. <laughs> Floyd will stop that whenever he wants, as long as his hands don't break. Yeah. They are big boys compared to him, though. That doesn't matter. I know. Yeah, but... a, they are, but I mean, I mean, Floyd is the best, arguably the best, you know, there there is today, at least, you know. As much as I don't like watching fight. It's not getting hit. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, not getting hit. Yeah. But I mean that's that's boxing, right? You don't get hit and then you hit somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> true. That was that was the best breakdown I've heard. Um, ever, right? I mean, but okay, what about what, what about this Holyfield thing? Did you see the Holyfield thing earlier today? No, what's what's this? Oh, his new thing now is that he wants to fight Jake Paul if he's offered enough money to do it. That's, what? I don't like I mean, that. <laughs> I don't like that. He's too old of a man. It just sounds yeah, weird but, even hearing that. <laughs> what do you think, Isaac? Do you think I, don't, I love I don't, that nobody has anything to say? <laughs> it's, well, I mean, what is there to say? It's like that's I what I'm saying. Like, see, what you... I mean, I would honestly, I'd like to see Mike Tyson fight one of the Paul brothers just to see him kill the guy. But I mean, like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> You know, I want Canelo versus Jake Paul. That's the match. Yeah, I I think it is too. But again, so the the thing I give the Paul brothers is they're smart. They're handpicking their guys for. I mean, they yeah. picked the worst striker arguably in MMA, yeah. and uh, and they're kind of handpicking their guys. You know, Chris Lieben's been calling out uh, Jake Paul, and they're not responding to Lieben at all because they know Lieben would kill him. You know. Yeah. Um, what's that, Amy? You want to? Well, no, I'm just, I was just curious what, like, your overall take, obviously, you know, we're talking about the Paul brothers and all that, but, like, Triller, you just mentioned, like, you you know some people that are working with them. I mean, what is your overall take on Triller? Like, what is the actual goal? Are we going for a legitimate boxing promotion with a tinge of concerts to bring in some people and fuckery to entertain the people who are just kind of a little jaded or is this just a circus like what is the point of thriller uh i think it's just a circus quite honestly i mean like after that last show i mean like what else could you call it you had oscar mm -hmm. de la hoya who was i mean I, I could imagine what the green room looked like and i imagine there was a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> and and Oscar kind of showed that and it was kind of just a shit show to get all these famous people together and watch some fights and music, you know? Uh which again, that's kind of like the the kind of like fucking weirdo in me is like, hell yeah. And then the serious fight fan is like, eh, you know. So who who is your one phone call from jail going to be when they finally get you for streaming the last event? Oh. <laughs> uh it, you know, probably it's going to be Cub just to say what's up. I'm fi They finally got me. <laughs> and, this is, and this is what it's for. I can't. Bro, like, I'm not even sold on... I wasn't online enough during that week when that came out to really have seen enough to believe that that was a real thing that happened and not a bunch of photoshops and, and trolls. But on the off chance that that was a real statement someone actually made, I just can't. 
Because how long oh, have we all been laughing our complete asses off at Dana for the same thing? And if somebody could make it possible, it'd probably be more likely for, for it to be like WME than Triller. But like, really, 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 can somebody confirm that this actually happened for me I just personally? Think I, I think it's the greatest thing in the world that somebody, if this is like really, uh, I think it's great that Triller's, I think it's a great troll from Triller. And it keeps, I mean, it keeps Triller relevant. People are laughing at the fact that they're, that Triller thinks that they're going to do that. But I really don't think that they think they're going to get any money. I think they're just trolling to the point to keep their, their name in the news, you know? So, like, it really was them trolling. Like, they weren't screenshot. Like, they weren't photoshops of DMs and tweets and all that. Those were real. I don't know. I mean, what else? I what hate else it. Could it. Oh, I hate it here. <laughs> what? What else could it be? I mean, like these fucking guys are, I mean, they're, they're obviously marketing kind of, they know what they're doing with marketing because they have us all talking about them. And then after the event, they were still talking about it in another fashion, which is a trolling thing. So they're, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right because, because here we are fucking talking about them. Right, right. Well, and like, that's the whole shit, right? It's because I'm sitting over here like, okay, on the one hand, they are actually booking real fight, like boxing matches, like real fight. Like, granted, they're putting them on the undercard and they're not huge names, but like they're real, actual, legitimate athletes competing yeah. against one another and then at the same time you've got rick flair refereeing a fucking slapping contest <laughs> yeah i mean it that's <laughs> what i mean i mean it, 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 in some ways you're like how does it get any fucking better than this and then in other ways you're like how does it get any fucking worse than this <laughs> right and that's ideal i mean look we, we're, we need to talk a little bit about you and your career for because obviously we do talk a lot of mma on this show which is kind of what we're doing a little of we also talk a lot of battle rap, so we do need to like do a little explaining and interviewing of who you are. But at the end of the day, I have to say that like if anything came of Ike from this day forward, he's you mean like we'll get into this, but like you're out here, you're bare knuckle. I'll give me Jake Paul, give me any promotion. I'll go to I'll go to Japan. Look, if anybody can pick you up and do something to make us all happy with you, I hope it's Triller. I really oh god, I, kind of, I kind of hope so too. I mean, again, like so, the whole thing with with fighting these days for me, it's like I'm not going to be a champion anywhere. So it's just getting it's getting eyes on me for for other stuff and still having a little bit of fun, right? Uh, and and what a better platform than some fucking freak <laughs> show of a of a yeah. of a thing, you know? I mean, what that that thriller card got eyes on it, like whether it was streamed or or not people saw it you know so it kind of fits into my whole end game for what i want to do with it you know did you think nearly two decades ago walking out into a king of the cage event that you might someday be talking about fighting on an undercard after bieber gets off stage no i mean no not one bit <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to end <laughs> no it's not I, again i didn't think so so going that i didn't think that the mma was going to make it on the to sports center and it did i remember when when the first sports center highlight of mma happened and me and Cobb were like holy shit this is like fucking for real you know so uh again i think that the evolution of combat sports in the last 25 years is rad because of that you know uh so but you know again it's it's also fucking weird too another weird real weird fucking thing going on right now 
Have you seen this Joshua Fabius shit with Diego Sanchez? Yes. What and, uh, the fuck? I guess you must have a you must know Diego from Albuquerque, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's not like, like we're some, tight, yeah, I, to some extent, and it's not like I'm trying to get you to like, you know, you guys are tight. Give us the, the behind the scenes or whatever. But I mean, uh, I figure you know you have some sort of relationship with him. But the uh, regardless, I think that uh, I was watching Mike Swick. Uh, do an interview with uh, Josh Thompson the other day. And I guess Mike Swick recently had Fabia and Diego on his show. And uh, like Josh Thompson pointed out, because Mike Swick was on the Ultimate Fighter 1 with Diego. They've known each other for years. And like Josh Thompson pointed out, that's not the same guy you ever knew, no matter how well you knew him or for how long you knew him, how much time you spent with him. This, this guy is out of his fucking mind. With Joshua Fabia, I have never ever seen such a fucking scumbag in my life like yeah yeah it sucks man i mean it really does you know uh on a personal level right i I mean so just on a human level you hate to see one human get taken advantage of in any way like this you know uh you know whether it be what's his face that hollywood producer who was taking advantage of women uh weinstein yeah Weinstein. weinstein yeah or, or if it's a guy like Fabia who's just taking advantage of this of a guy who, who number one wants to believe and number two might have some real CTE issues, you know, yeah. uh, it sucks, man. It's a, uh, it's a real fucking bummer to see, you know, yeah. and it's and it's a, uh, and that's just that's just one human to another. It's like, man, this is like some really bad shit, you know, yep. uh, and you hate seeing it. And then like, and then. And then on the other hand, I mean, like, there's nothing, there's nothing good in this, you know, uh, you know, it sucks that Diego's being taken advantage of. It sucks that Diego is falling for it, uh, you know, and it sucks that he can't see his, his way out of it. Like the Stockholm syndrome with that guy right now is real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fabia tanked that dude's career. Uh, you know, Diego could have, Diego could have, picked anybody he wanted for that last fight because the ufc fucking loves the dude you know mm-hmm. and uh and he and he got it in his head the cowboy's a good fight and then and then josh fabia did some really weird shit with the rest yeah. of us looking for a lawsuit after he was fighting because of brain damage or cte or whatever they were doing you know yeah. uh and it sucks man I, I don't know i just i i don't I thought the Fabia thing was was laughable when I first saw all the stuff because just like anything else, you're like, oh, this guy's going to get away from this other guy. But now it's just like it's a whole new serious thing where it's like, fuck, man, somebody get this guy away from him, you know? Yeah. Have you seen the that recent footage <laughs> that they, they say leaked? I don't know how something that can leak when it was only Diego and Josh in the room, but uh, <laughs> with Diego's hanging upside down. He's punching him in the head and shit. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. And that it's like fucking disturbing, man. It is because it's like, you know, they're talking about Diego's damage and, jo- you know, the whole thing with, with uh, Josh Fabia talking to Sean on medical records and stuff yeah. like it. It's like, dude, you're not interested in this dude's health, obviously, because fucking you're, you're, you're punching him and kicking him in the fucking in the head, causing more trauma. You don't care about this dude's health or mm-hmm. anything like that. Not one fucking bit. Uh, so it's like, you know, the... The the whole the whole humor kind of behind this is like long gone. Now it's like really trying to get. I think it's getting somebody away from a dangerous human being who's taking advantage of a real of a situation. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. What a, it, it it was real crazy from the start to how like it wasn't like Fabia's. Uh, um, y- you never even heard rumblings of him in any any arena of combat sports, not just MMA. And Diego's move to you know get rid of his coaches and go solely with him from the start was real fucking weird. But just like you said, you know, you didn't think it was going to turn into all this. No, uh, you know, and it kind of, it kind of was, it was, it was interesting. And Diego's always been fairly interesting, uh, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> you know, he really it's always, always been super, super interesting. Uh, and and so you're like, you're kind of looking at it, going, "Ooh, how's this going to play out?" And then it then it really, it really kind of devolved pretty quickly over the past like year and a half or two years the holy fuck dude what is going on i mean here, here's the thing though like diego was thriller vibes before thriller was thriller vibes right and so half serious half freak show always has been that's why everybody has always loved him um but i i have to say that like it's been longer than fabia being around that people have been concerned for his mental well-being so I, as somebody who has not followed this as closely as I once did, have been real caught up recently because I didn't even know who the fucking guy was. I didn't even hear Fabia's name. I missed the whole chasing people around the cage with a knife bit. I missed the Diego firing everybody and bringing him on bit. I, I didn't even catch any of that. And so part of me for a hot minute was like, all right, you know, we, we've gone through this with a lot of fighters over the years. Jens Pulver was one. I mean, Matt Hughes, even after the train thing, was one where we go, what about mental health? What about mental health? When do we protect these people from themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, what can we do? How do we do that? But Diego is kind of a, an anomaly because it's never been clear where the line is with Diego's just kind of Diegoing and he's kind of goofy and he's kind of crazy and Diego has actual problems. And to me, that seems like for somebody that didn't follow the drama and didn't follow the circus and didn't even hear about this guy until Diego's release and went and looked and had a whole host of information to look at at one time, not gradually, it, that seems like where Diego fell through the cracks is because Diego loved having this weird persona and bouncing all over the place anyway. You can't yeah. take somebody like that and go, oh, you're mentally ill when they may not be. So it was easy no. for people to just go, oh, Diego's just Diegoing until you finally saw all this footage later. Well, and, and I honestly, again, going back to now the, the this Fabia guy, I think that he knows that and he's taking full advantage of that too because, uh, you know, like it really is like, I mean, you don't know, again, where Diego's Diegoing and where, where things are getting really serious because of because of how Diego is, you know? Uh, and I think Fabia, the, the kind of like the little weasel that he is weaseled his way in on that. And like, and now, and now it's like really hurting somebody, you know? Right. Oh. So like Fabia is no idiot. He's just an asshole. That's all. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what Diego Diego is like, because I'm not too sure who he is. Cause I, so I mean, I'm just getting into this stuff heavy, more heavy and detailed, but it, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like some sort of a brainwash. Uh, this, uh, when people give up everything and go heavy into something, it sounds like a sect. Well, so it's like uh, up, up there, Rock Terrio for you guys, for the Canadians. Uh, uh, I mean, he brainwashed. Do you know? Do you guys know who he is? The Canadians up there? 
No, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm, 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 oh. Ru- I'm Russian. Who? I'm a Russian Canadian. So I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Who are you talking so look up, r- r- look up Rock Thrall uh, or Terrio or whatever after after we're done here. And and it's like any good cult leader, you know. I mean, he's he ingratiates himself, and then by the time he gets ultimate control, then you then you really see what the harm is, you know. And it is like a sect. It's like a religious sect who's now, or or not just religious. It's like any kind of sect who's now like gone from from being like all peace and love to like the whole now we're gonna fuck your whole shit up and and steal all your money and 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 isolate you from your family kind of a thing i mean like it's it's like cult leader 101 that he's like following you know i I, I just googled this shit on my phone this guy is nuts i've never heard of this dude before but how the fuck do you all the way down to New Mexico know about some Canadian <laughs> religious fucking cult? You could have just went Jim Jones or some shit. Uh, I know, but I, I wanted to throw, <laughs> I like to throw the regional stuff in there too. I was that's like, yeah, the, fuck yeah, Canadian. Because that guy is fucking, that Rock uh, Terrio guy is a fucking nut. Yeah. Uh, I, he's like, like oh yeah. So I one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, called Last Podcast on the Left, and they cover a lot of true crime stuff. And uh, and I heard of him through that, and then it, like of course I go down the wormhole with stuff. So that's why I knew about the Canadian thing. I was hoping you guys were going to pick up on that, but <laughs> I was going to say, was there like a Netflix show? Uh, no, I've been I've been listening to a lot of like I've always kind of had this weird thing for serial killers and true crime and uh, aliens, and these guys put a, put a humorous spin on some of the most horrific stuff that you could think of. So they're like my new shit recently. The last podcast, guys. There's a show that I actually, it's not on anymore. It has like two or three seasons, but I came across it recently. It's People, like People Magazine. It's called People Investigates. And they have uh-huh. three, three seasons of just cult people. Like diff- and it's all like 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 real stuff. It's not like a, like a fictional series or anything like that. Um, I watched like four or five episodes so far. It's fuck, It's cool. I can send you the link to fucking watch it online if you want. Yes, yeah, please. Yeah, it's really good. Um, speaking of crazy ass Canadians, Luca Magnotti, you familiar with him? I am not. No. Oh, you didn't watch like Don't this. Fuck with Cats, Amy? How far did you get in it? Oh, is that the don't? Okay. Have you That's seen that? Good. Yes. Yeah, yo, he's fucking. He was something that actually got like. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, this fucking Rock Terrio guys uh, around decades ago. Luca Magnotti yeah. was playing like a maybe like 10, 12 years ago. But yeah, he uh that that was pretty crazy. That rocked the fucking country because we don't really have shit like that going on here. You're not, not American. A, yeah. Yeah. How it's, far it's not go it's ahead, not sorry. like a Thursday in America or whatever. <laughs> no shit. It's fucking two riots, a school got shot up, fucking bomb goes off somewhere. You know well, what's funny? Like we talk about, I just want to say this. We talk about fighting and battle rap the most. And what's actually the truth, I think, between the three of us, and then I, like, you're not, you're definitely in line with the people we like to talk to. I think probably everybody we've ever talked to is into this kind of shit. We could spend like a full hour on true crime shit, and we oh, never yeah. ever do. It never ever is actually a thing that comes up. So, like, this is very, 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 very happy moment for me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I, the true crime stuff, I mean, like, it's, well, so as an American and somebody who's like, I mean, you know, we, well, we have our fair share of like weird serial killers, not like everybody else doesn't, but we have our fair share, but it's just weird to me how we have the, so it's, 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 I think the fat, our fascination with violence uh, is, is definitely, uh, 
is something that I I enjoy. I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but you know what I mean? I mean, it's something I get off on for sure. Very American of you, Ike. Yeah, it is very, it's super American. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Jason actually has been telling me for probably, I don't know, better part of a year to watch Don't Fuck With Cats. And he even told me what it was about. And I just am really bad at watching things. And yes. so whatever. Um, literally last night I watched one episode and frankly, I don't remember a single second of this. I don't remember the cat thing. I don't remember hearing about this guy. I don't remember this happening in Canada. Like I, this could be a movie for all I know. I didn't even know yeah. this happened until last night. And it is wild. This is very, very not what I would picture in Canada. No. Yeah. Yeah, you always think of like maple syrup and lumber, lumberjacks and nice people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, uh, yeah, so I think that's also the fascination with my fascination with uh, that rock guy is like, you're like, how the fuck did Canada turn out such a violent, scummy fuck because everybody seems so nice? Well, yeah. you, don't, you don't know these two guys you're talking to right now. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's been a few fucking creeps up here. Robert Picton, the pig farmer, who was fucking picking up prostitutes and fucking killing them. What? Yeah, burying yeah. burying them in his pig farm. Uh, what? Pigs yeah. just run body pretty quick, right? They say that there's only like teeth stain shit. That's yeah. it. Other than that, yeah, pigs destroy everything. Oh, oh my god. And yeah. with Picton, they didn't know exactly how many like people he had killed because he was picking up like prostitutes and yeah, shit, street and, kids and, and shit. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, and like, and there wasn't a whole lot of evidence left. Pigs do a number to people. Yeah. You are, you are a freak. This is amazing. What's that? You. You're just amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would I, like I, everybody I, listening to the show to know that you are listening to an ordained minister right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm an ordained minister. <laughs> and a recover, recovering heroin addict. I kind of hit all like the fucking, like, all the... The fucking awesomeness. <laughs> it's living life. Wait, on a serious yeah. note, like obviously, I'm sure you would guess that that would probably have been something that would come up on this show, but you just beat us to it. But what, like, you went from, and maybe I missed something, so stop me if I did. I usually do. You went from a few years ago, okay, y'all, this is what happened. My wife is a bomb ass bitch for staying with me. She deserves all the credit. I did some dumb shit. I never really said anything. I'm gonna tell everybody now to what seemed like relative, just normalcy, not really a lot of anything about that. And now, very recently, it seems like you're back to mental health, drug addiction, this is important. Like what happened in the years in between there? Uh, well, so it's always, it's always important to me. Uh, and it's, uh, so it's been important to me. And I think, and I think I just, just like anything else, I kind of ebb and flow with, with how much I want to talk about it. Uh, you know, because I like, I like having my social media kind of just be fuck around sometimes, but then like, you know, stuff happens like, you know, especially being in the recovery community. Uh, I lose people that I know on a regular basis, they die from addiction. And then it like reminds me why I need to be talking about mental health or why I need to be talking about seeking help for addiction or, or things like that. Uh, so, and, and I think that, uh, I think that I just go back and forth because it's a lot easier and it's a lot nicer to just talk about dumb shit that I like talking about on social media, but you know, mental health and addiction are, are important things to talk about. So, 
you know, I kind of go back and forth with it depending on, on where I'm at or, or what happens in life. You know, uh, a lot of times loss will, will do it or, or whatever, you know I mean? And I've kind of, I've been losing people a lot lately and people, I think, you know, I, I think not just personally, but us as a world because of the pandemic have been losing people a lot. And I think that we need to talk. I think that it doesn't get talked about enough. So I try to now mix in a good amount of my fuck around on social media with some <laughs> mental health stuff. You know, uh, I think that I'm doing a, I actually think I'm doing a mental health thing with uh, that Dean, uh, uh, that Dean uh, uh, asked me to do with Jared Gordon, possibly another guy. Uh, and I don't know if I can say who he is, but uh, a, a zoom mental health thing, which, you know, it's always, it's always there. It's just how much I like to talk about it publicly versus, um, versus how much I just like to talk shit on, on social media. <laughs> you know? So for, for those that may know who you are, but never caught um, your larger storytelling moment, you were using when you were actively fighting. Yeah, I was. So, so I was, I had been, I've always kind of struggled, struggled with some form of like addiction. Uh, and I, and I've been clean for large chunks of time, but then like this last time when, uh, I, you know, I, after, after I made it to the UFC, I hurt my back and got really heavily into opioids. Uh, and then, and then, then went, you know, obviously the heroin and, and stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, so I was actively using while I was fighting. I think one my Gomi fight, and, uh, I always tell people I, I, I was like kicking dope the whole week that I was, that I fought Takanori Gomi. Uh, you know, I remember my now deceased manager was with me and I, we were in the room and he was like watching me kick dope going, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know? And, you know, I obviously wasn't telling him, you know, but uh yeah, with when you're fighting like in the ufc i guess i feel like i should know this because i feel like we've talked about this in different contexts a lot over the years but i mean even at lower levels i used to draw blood work for medicals for regional promotions and in addition to like hiv tests and whatever they would do drug panels do they not, did they back then not do illicit drug panels only whatever local so um, they would do they they would either so locally they test depending on what commission you're going with they just they do random drug testing right. uh with the ufc i always knew i had a window to stop using and uh and you know cut weight and kind of flush everything out and then they would test me and that was this is like pre-usada so right. i wouldn't you know back then they weren't they would just do physicals and ekgs and stuff and they wouldn't do uh they wouldn't do drug testing till the day of the fight, you know, or, or to the night or day of the fight. And, uh, and so I knew I had a window of opportunity to, to get clean in my window of opportunity. I would stop for camp and then it became a couple of weeks out. And then it became like, I was snorting oxys right before I got on the plane to go to the UFC because I knew that was enough time where I could still kick and fight and, uh, and, and not pop come fight night when they test me. So I find this so fascinating. So like, stop me if this is stuff you don't want to explain. But um, if for you, okay, well, let me back up a step. For you, would you call yourself like an addictive person or was, are you just specifically like I had an issue with drugs? Uh, I'm a pretty, I mean, I think a lot of fighters are addictive type of people. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I don't know, you know, and still today, even my, like my wife, when I talk about stopping fighting, she's like, well, you're going to need something that's going to, that's going to keep your adrenaline up because you're just that kind of person, you know, uh, I like that. I think I like the, whatever the, the chemical that I like feeling different and, uh, and, and fighting and drugs make me feel different, you know? So, uh, you know, I would definitely say I'm an addictive personality and just, and especially with, with, uh, with drugs and alcohol, I mean, like once, I mean, I love drugs and alcohol, you know I mean? That's, there's no ways around that, you know? Uh, and, and being an addict, I just got something that clicks with me differently than most normal people when I put them into my body. Well, no, but that's what I find so fascinating is that if, if you are that person, that you also would be like, ah, well, I just have to stop for this many weeks or this many days, it's no problem. And then I'll just, you know, so I don't pop. Like that is fascinating to me that you're not only able to do that in a pinch or to not go to jail, but like on a regular basis, every camp, every fight that you can kick up, you know what I mean? Like for a few days yeah. or a couple weeks. Well, and then you're like, okay, now I'm done with that. It's so interesting to me. Well, it would get, I mean, so the span would get shorter and shorter and like I would use immediately after the fight, you know, and like initially it was like for a camp and I could kind of like white knuckle it my way through the, through the, the camp. And then, like I said, the, then the next fight, it was a couple weeks and then, right. you know, then the Gomi fight, it was like, you, you know, uh, it was very short window of time and then after after the gomi fight it was uh, it was a a daily deal you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh and so it's i think it's less of like the being able to stop and like you know and and more of just seeing the progression of the disease of addiction kind of uh, uh going going full for going from not as bad to like full force you know if you think of it if you think of addiction as a disease it's like uh, you know, somebody with cancer, when they first get cancer, it's not like they, they're just riddled with the cancer, you know, it, it's a progressive thing. And it generally eat, it, it's, eats away at you. And I think addiction is a kind of the same thing. It's it, addiction will give you it'll, it starts kind of small enough, where where you think you're okay. And then it, eventually, it's just, you know, it just eats away at you. And it's depending on the person. And, and it's either a slow process, or, or some people just shoot downhill real fast, you know, were you using uh, drugs recreationally before you were a professional fighter, had that had fighting as a career, not even UFC level, you know what I mean? Even on the, the regional circuit where, you know, you were showing promise, were you using whatever it may have been at that time? No. So up until, so up until, and even for the fight with Eves. So I had, uh, I had, I got sober when I was real young and then I stayed sober for a while and then I stopped or, you know, then I had another kind of like where I relapsed and then I stayed sober again till, till right about after the Eve's fight. Wow. And, uh, and, and my memory is kind of shit. So I think it was around that time, but like, uh, you know, uh, I was pretty clean up until then because, uh, because I did, I, I mean, I had some, some stuff that I wanted to do. And I, I knew that I knew that I, I always knew I had issues with drugs and alcohol. I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be what I considered or what an addict, you know, oh. I kind of wanted to be able to control it. So I always, that, I, that was always in the back of my head. And I, every time I used, I showed that I real quickly couldn't control it, you know? Uh, and was it something you had to hide from your peers, especially like UFC level training partners 
friends of yours, people in that industry? Is it something uh, you had to hide or are there a few people? I'm not going to get you to name names. This isn't a baited question or anything, but it, it, are there like, were there a few people that, you know, they, they like to get high too. So like, you know, you, you pair up with them or whatever. Well, there, so there are a few people, right. But I, I think that again, my, my whole thing has always wanted to seem normal kind of or normalish. So I would hide it from everybody I could. Like there's a few people who knew because they've kind of, because they've struggled with it or they've been around it in their lives. So they knew when I was using, uh, mm. but I really, I want, I'm not a very social person. Like I, like the whole reason I like to get high is to not, is to not feel, you know? So it's like, I, I would rather be in my garage doing heroin than I would out drinking and partying. I know mm. that sounds fucked up, but that's no, no, I get it. I get it. I, yeah, I fucking... well, no, that's why this last year was such a horrifying thing. I mean, a pandemic yeah. and lockdowns is a wet dream for an addict. Mm. Yeah. And it's, that's been a, again, why you're, I think why we're seeing uh, a lot of people fucking relapse and die is because, you know, like there, there is no, there's no kind of like, there's no other social structure for people to go with, you know, uh, if you went to 12 step meetings and stuff like that, all those were shut down. Yeah. Uh, people got really disconnected in general from other people, uh, you know, and it sucked. Well, that's what uh, I mean. Like you're not covering your tracks and making excuses. Everybody is staying home. You don't have to say shit about shit. Yeah. 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 You don't have to say shit about shit, right. You just, you're at home. So and it's, uh, uh it's, it's a, it's been a really scary time for, I mean, again, why getting back into the mental health thing, uh, you know, if you struggle with addiction and depression and things that want you isolated uh, anyway, it really sucked. But then like, you're seeing a lot of people who don't struggle with that stuff, like, and, and you're seeing the, the toll that isolation does to people. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, it drives motherfuckers crazy. You know, the, the whole cabin fever thing is real for, you know, and just some people get it worse than others. Yeah. So to back up kind of a step, though, whenever you had your moment, you know, and it's different for everybody. Sometimes the light just goes off. You have a, a, a meaningful conversation. You hit rock bottom. You go to jail. You get sick. You almost die. Different for everybody. But once you had that moment, what then was your immediate motivation? Was it my wife and my family? I mean, I know the answer to this, but was, was it my wife and my family? I want to get back to fighting at a, at a healthy level. Like, what was the first thing in your head that you were like, I got to change for this? So, uh, so initially, so it was, I mean, it was partially wife and family, but I mean, like uh, also my, at the time it was just, uh, I was really just beat up. I mean, like just beat up by the disease and my wife was threatening to leave me anyway, uh, when she checked me into a rehab. So I was like, cool, I, I, I get it. I completely get it. Cause I wreaked havoc in her life. Uh, I just got to get sober and that's kind of what it was, but, but yeah, of course, for me, you know, I, I love, I love my daughter and my wife, like you wouldn't believe. So that's, that's a huge motivating factor, but, but really it was just, it really was just being beat to the point of like, kind of surrendering, you know, I mean, I, I had no other options, you know, and I had been to jail and still kept getting high after that. And I was facing prison and, uh, and, and all that kind of stuff and kept getting high. So, at, and I was on the verge of losing my family. So at a certain point, it's just like, uh, even with nothing left to lose, I was just like, man, I just got to stop. This is just kicking my ass, you know? Uh, and, and I don't, 
I wish that I could say that it was, I wish that I could say that it was like awesome moral compunction and I was like this moral person, <laughs> but it just, that's I not I mean, you can give yourself a little credit. Come on. Yeah, I guess, you know, I wouldn't even, I was ready to go be homeless in my car rather than stop using drugs when my wife asked me to, because I just, I couldn't fathom the idea of stop, stopping using heroin, you know? Uh, so it, it wasn't morality and it wasn't because I'm such a good husband. It was just, I was really beat up, you know, and uh, in a way that I've never been beat up before. And I, you know, I wanted to quit using with all my being like the, you know, and, and I couldn't. So I was just like, all right, I, I don't know what it's going to take, but I just, I got to stop this. And so I just kind of gave up, you know? You know, I can't stress this enough. I just ate dinner and I don't want to walk around the corner to get the mail. I can't imagine snorting crushed up pills and shooting up and being a professional athlete, bro. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it was, uh, it's wild. Uh, I can't, so looking at that stuff now i'm like fucking wow that, that was fucking crazy because <laughs> it, it's like i don't have the drive to fucking get off the couch tonight really to go train you know so i was like how the fuck was i doing all that shit and fucking trying to maintain a normal life and 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 trying to be around the family and stuff like it was it's hard work fucking trying to lie to everybody <laughs> yeah and like you you were just saying about like you, you're ready to go live in your car because you didn't want to quit being high and you know you're about to lose your family lose lose everything right but like you mentioned earlier you like the the type of addict you are the type of high the type of buzz the type of atmosphere you want it was sitting in your garage by yourself and numb to everything now you got yeah. all these problems prison financial problems marriage marriage problems all these fucking issues and you just want to be numb right see so you, yeah. you're caught in that weird ass fucking spot did, was it ever you got drove to a point because that's a you're at a point where like you know you feel like there's no exit right no matter you, you you can't deal with one and the other one's not acceptable so what do you do were you ever at a point where suicide was contemplated so i uh i would never call, consider myself suicidal uh real i mean there was a couple times when i like would go off because of trauma stuff that i've kind of gone through but like really the whole thing was maybe I'll just do enough where I won't wake up, you know? Mm. Uh, you know, so it wasn't, I don't know if it was ever really suicidal, but I was like, man, it would just be cool if I could just go to sleep. And then that was that, you know, uh, or just use enough where I could just go, you know, just kind of, that was it, you know? Uh, and looking back at that, like as you know, and my, I talked to my wife about this is like, that's the most fucking selfish thing I probably could have done. Like, I couldn't imagine being my wife waking up next to a dead husband, really not knowing what was going on because I was lying to her about all this stuff too. It was just, uh, it was just shitty, you know? So, so suicide, not so much, but just not, not really caring even if I lived or died, you know? Yeah. And is fentanyl a thing down in, in New Mexico? Oh my God. I mean, I know it's a thing. Come on, dude. A thing like, well, fucking. Are drugs the thing where you're from? No, no, no. no. But fentanyl (laughs) is fucking like wiping out the province of Ontario. I, I fucking, I couldn't tell you how many people I know, not like close personal friends. Some of them, yes, but not just that. People I went to school with, people I I know through people, acquaintances that are fucking gone because of fentanyl. And I know in the States, it's, it's fucking, it's an epidemic, but I would assume, you know, it might not be in every goddamn every city no, every little town everything where it's, it's everywhere it's 
it's everywhere here and Albuquerque is no Albuquerque is no stranger to it, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and I, man, I got real lucky that, so I think I got real lucky that I got clean right before. I mean, they were, people were cutting stuff with fentanyl when, before I was clean, but like before it got like really, really prevalent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I got clean, you know, and, uh, and, and I, I'm super grateful for that because it, it's killing people like crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Wait, what year did were you in rehab? Uh, 2018. Really? I thought it was... Okay, I was a couple of years off. All right. Yeah, it was just... A, it, I've been clean for three years now, or a little bit over. And, uh, and, I mean, fentanyl was still big, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like it is now where, you're like, you're, you know, like, where it's really, really bad. You know, they had just... I think they had really just started cracking down on the opiates... And, and, and people over prescribing and kind of getting into the big pharma fucking everybody up thing, you know? Uh, and then right after that, people started pressing the pills with fentanyl and everything like to look like the pills. So, and cutting everything, but yeah, it's, it's just as bad here as it is anywhere, you know, and, and Albuquerque, uh, Albuquerque and New Mexico are very much the wild West and there's a very strong drug culture here. Uh, so you see it, you see it a lot, you know, and, uh, and you see kids, you see kids getting into it and it's, it's, it's fucking scary, man. Not to go on a super random side note here, but one time I flew through Albuquerque, I had a connecting flight and I remember sitting at the airport, I think I posted a picture and I was just like, where am I? Like, is Albuquerque proper, like a big town, a small city, like everybody knows it's there because it's what's there, but like what's in Albuquerque? So it is a small city and and we're actually, so here's my little, my, my, my plug for Albuquerque. We're actually like, we are a small city that's growing and uh, we've luckily got like things like Netflix and Intel and uh, we've got some Amazon stuff and Facebook is moving here. So we're a growing city and, uh, probably when you pass through here it was still very much and it's like yeah what the fuck is in albuquerque kind of a thing at that point it was just like we had fighting gyms well no but like when you're sitting at the airport all you can see is dirt yeah and that's and that's still so the airport is just south of town and now there's like netflix has a studio right right there by it but uh but yeah all you're in the very south part of town when you fly into the, the airport so all you see is dirt and it's you know there's a lot of Albuquerque has a lot of beauty and New Mexico has a lot of beauty. You just don't see it when you fly into the Sunport, you know? So would you say that like, and I ask this as somebody who like went to high school and spent a long time in a very small town, which had very high drug usage rates. Would you say part of it is geography? I mean, it's an isolated, I mean, it may be a small city, but it's an isolated place. Like there's. Yeah, it's an isolated place and there's not, so yeah so again like like anywhere it's like same thing with most small towns right there it's isolated there's not there's not a huge uh not a huge uh push for real solid education and uh and we show it you know uh and uh and yeah like there's and there's not a whole lot of stuff for the kids here to do i mean like and there's generations upon generations of people who have been you know doing the same stuff just like any other small smaller town you know uh it's you know like yeah it is that so so you go to rehab you come home how soon thereafter do you book a fight uh so i guess fairly soon because 
I think I got out and then like by a few months later, uh, Joe Stevenson hit me up and was like, Hey, do you want to try this bare knuckle thing? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like, that sounds like a good time. So, uh, it was just a few months later and, uh, uh, looking back at it, I probably shouldn't have jumped right back into it like that, but it was, it was kind of, you know, I, kind of, I wanted to see what I could do with fighting again, because I, you know, I really, as I was coming up and fighting and, and I think I could have done a lot better had I not like been got so messed up. So I do want to see what I could do when I was clean again, you know? Mm-hmm. And now that you're fully clean and on a good stride and hopefully you'd never see relapse again, back to trying to book a fight. Is it bare knuckle only you're looking for, or would you take an MMA fight? Would you take a straight up boxing fight with gloves? Yeah, I've been looking for, so I've been, I've been looking to try to do mixed martial arts again because uh, I kind of I started going back to to the one of the Jackson's gyms and started and uh, actually landed Venata, one of the guys who's fighting this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Kind of he got me to fall back in love with the MMA aspect of it, you know. Mm. Uh, and so I want to do some MMA. It's just uh, you know the thing that we're running into. Cub Cub is now managing me since our manager passed and uh, and you know, Juan and, and Bellator don't want to mess with older UFC guys. And I'm not that big of a name, you know, so it, it's been, it's been hard to find a fight uh, just for that reason. Nobody wants an old guy and nobody wants a UFC vet. It looks like they're trying to build their old brand, which is smart, you know, but, uh, but yeah. MMA... I mean, there are so many up and coming promotions, especially that are trying to get active now that things are opening up. I feel like something's got to give eventually. Oh, well, I mean, something has to give and it's just, you know, you're you're seeing everybody so i'm seeing everybody else get active again and it's like okay when's it my turn kind of thing you know uh it's it's just that it's the it's the the impatience kind of thing on my part you know and everything kind of happens when it's supposed to uh so i'm waiting for it to happen but as i still get impatient like anybody else you know what about overseas opportunities is that something you've tried to explore i have i'd like to fight an aca or risen or something like that i mean like really fighting in japan i think would be super cool just because it's fighting in japan yeah uh, you know yeah. and uh i've always wanted to fight there and never never have been able to so i i like their you know i like the old pride rule set and japan seems to be okay with having that so i want to i want to do some of that again you know and but, look what's better than hearing lenny hart screen your scream your name at least for yeah that's i mean that that's another thing right is i've never got to hear that and that'd be pretty badass is to hear her scream my name right yeah yeah, no shit. And imagine, like, if it depending on like what the venue is, like he could be in a place, be like, "Yo, this is where Fedor fought Nogueira or whatever the fuck." You know right. what I mean, right? Like, because yeah. in MMA terms, like we we don't go back as far as boxing those with the history where it's like this is where Ali fought whoever, whoever, right? So it's something like Japan and that kind of setting, um, especially Fedor, right? He didn't have a a ton of fights on American soil, especially you know classics like that ones that really. Uh, are, are legendary fights so yeah japan for goddamn sure that's a place that i've uh, always wanted to go but people tell me when you're like six foot five and white and have blue eyes it's you look like a fucking a dinosaur over there yeah yeah the, the, japan is big on the and always has been kind of big on the freak show thing so when they get big ass either big <laughs> big americans especially that are like loud yeah. uh it's like that's like their thing you know mm-hmm. so so are you i mean in a perfect world are you looking to travel around and take, you know, different fights, different styles, or are you, if it happened, looking for a contract? 
Uh, contracts are great. I would, I mean, so again, being a little bit older, stability is nice. Being able to count on something is nice. And I thought I was getting that out of the BKFC, but they just never really, they never really seemed like they're that stable with, with some of the guys, you know? So, um, you know, I, I appreciate what they did, but I want some place that's going to fight me, you know? Is, is it, uh, a different, uh, like, uh, business dealings sort of thing with uh bare knuckle fighting that it would be with mma like i'm not trying to say like you know it must be like scummy or slime ball or whatever because you know it is a more violent thing at least it appears that way but is is business done a lot different you hear things but who knows if they're true where you hear ridiculous shit like i read uh months ago that uh they gave Paige van zandt eight million dollars i'm like what the, that's how you go under that's how you tank like is it what's the uh the business proceedings, like other conversations, are you involved with any of them or is it more so uh, care of it? My, my management was more doing that. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I don't believe that they gave Paige fans any dollars. No. Uh, you know, but it's, they, it seems like they have more of a boxing model where they're trying to do one or two big stars. And ah, then, uh, okay. you know, which again, makes sense. You know, Dave, Dave Feldman's a boxing promoter, so he's going to keep doing boxing kind of stuff, you know, uh, which is understandable, you know, uh, and it's working for him. I just, you know, I'm just used to the MMA business model of kind of uh, getting in with an organization and fighting for him for a while, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I like, I like that, uh, especially again with my old age and, 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 and having a little bit more stability in, in the fighting world. You know I mean? It's not my only sort, it's not my sort my main source of income, uh, but it's nice to count on it if it's there, you know, instead mm. of kind of like, hope going from fight to fight just hoping on stuff you know and just to be clear you would probably be what people would consider old for a fighter you're not yes. that old a human no not no we're, we're when we're talking fighting terms of 43 is pretty fucking dinosaurish for a fighter sure, though sure. i just uh, like for anybody who might not be that familiar with you like we're not agreeing with some 60 year old man trying to book a fight yeah yeah we're <laughs> We're looking for the senior league, hoping that this old guy just gets his head kicked in. Right. It's, Bring back Tony. We need a master's league. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, and it's funny because I always joke about being the old guy and I definitely feel old, like, but at a certain point, you know, fighting, we all feel old, you know, talking to Ray Borg, who's 27, who's been fighting for just as long as I have that, that dude feels old too. You know, it's just, your body gets beat up doing this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Now, if you, if you ended up in a contract, let's say like a four fight deal, um, and you know, that's going to happen over the course of two years, do you do what you're doing? eat everything out in the evenings and weekends or do you pop over to another gym do you cut back your hours at work like what do you do uh so i'm i'm hopefully getting to the point in my my actual career where i'm gonna uh have to be on the job less uh but you know i mean like if they're giving me you know again i know that this is a limited amount of time on stuff so cutting back a little bit is something that that i've talked to my wife and, and stuff about, and, uh, if, you know, I mean, if the UFC happened to call me, uh, you know, and it was like, Hey, we need you to step in and we'll give you a contract. Yeah. Then of course I'm going to go for the gusto. I mean, like, you know, I, I would owe it to myself to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, that's the, the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. Uh, so, 
you know, the, again, my family comes first and, and, uh, and, uh, and MMA is very much a, a passion of mine, but it's also not, you know, it's not a long-term career goal for which, and it shouldn't be for most people, you know? Uh, so, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, of course I'd, I'd go for it, but I also know what the, what the reality of the situation is, you know? When you look at <clears throat> some guys like friggin' a uh, John Jones, even though he's had, you know, the, the different, uh, whatever you want, controversial moments throughout his career. Uh, but the longevity he's had and the performances he puts on every time at the gate. Um, Demetrius Johnson was another one for a long time. Uh, when you look at guys like that, cause you know, you, you're old in the like, terms of MMA years, right? Like you said, as a fighter, the wear and tear in your body, everything like that. Like, what do you, what, what do you, what do you wonder to someone who does the same thing? Like, do you wonder like what, the, what is going on inside their bodies that keeps them going for that long and performing at that high of a level? Well, I mean, part of it is youth, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> part of it is the wonders of youth and it's just, they're, they're younger dudes and they've, you know, they've always been younger dudes. And, uh, and uh, so, and, you know, guys like John and, and DJ and some of those guys are also freak athletes too. I mean, like okay. it, it, you know, but I mean, they, they've always had youth on their side. John, John got into this extremely young, you know, and I always joke again with like Landon, I, I you know, Landon's 28 or 29 now. And I'm like, Holy shit. That's I remember. It? Yeah. They're, they're, wow, he's still, I thought he'd be a little older than that. Yeah. He's still a real young guy. So it's, uh, you know, all these guys at a high level, it's a, it's still, it's a very much a young man's game. So they have, they have youth on their side, you know, which, you know, it it is what it is. Yeah. And especially as the, the sports developed, um, I remember like, you know, years ago we get like a, like a Michael McDonald came in. I think he fought a bantamweight or even John was talking about Roy McDonald is another one they kind of come in training MMA right from the start. You think right. that's a, there's a benefit to that? Like, as opposed to what we'd see in the past where a guy would have a base and then build off that. I think there's a huge, you know, a huge benefit to that. That's why you're seeing guys. Uh, I mean, that's what guys, guys are coming into this. Like, like, again, yeah, Okay. So Ray, I'll bring up Ray Borg uh, yeah. again, because I think he's, he's a perfect example. Like, uh, he's very much the hybrid, right? Like he was a, a wrestling grappler, but he's like, an, he started at a young age being an MMA guy, you know? Um, and, and I think that guys, I think when they do that, you're, you're not having to play catch up with all the sports, you know? Uh, like no matter who you are in the old school, if you're a wrestler and you came up wrestling, you're playing catch up with the striking, you know? Uh, and, and I think that, uh, Get those guys the younger guys aren't playing catch up with their careers and it's and it shows you know like Rory McDonald's a perfect example that dude has never I mean he's he's always been an MMA fighter yeah you know? yeah and he came in like fucking like a tornado um he was he's one that I'm surprised never became a UFC champion uh yeah me either because he's really good yeah and uh, that I think that that uh, beating that Robbie Lawler fucking laid on him really took a lot out of his career. Uh, yeah, I mean, think I think when you take a beating like that from Robbie Lawler, you really start to rethink what you want, <laughs> all your decisions. You want, yeah, all your decisions in life. I mean, like, 
<laughs> you know, taking a beating. If you're anybody and like you take a beating like that, and your and your reaction is just like to sh- to shrug it off. You're a psycho, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, he is a psycho, so there's that. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so wait, you mentioned uh, in passing if the UFC happened to ask you to step in, you know, slim to none. I disagree with that statement only because once things open back up with the clip they're at with cards and their propensity for pulling local guys for cards in every city they're in. I, I would argue that slim to none, maybe one peg lower than your likelihood. I feel like you'd have a better chance because you have fought for them before. But that being said, you have fought, fought for multiple promotions. And in the time, the time periods in which you have fought in those promotions, there wasn't a lot of change or, Uh, movement or big public outcries about fighter pay like there is now and unionizing like what is your take on all that now as somebody who's just like i really just want to fight for a couple more years uh i think so i think unionizing in any field is great uh it's how it's how american the american middle class and uh and lower middle class have have been able to uh, to make to make a real life for themselves. I mean, you saw it with the auto workers, even in the film industry. You know, the film industry depends heavily on SAG uh, for good reason. You know, um, and I think unionizing in any fo- shape, way, shape, or form is good. You know, uh, I guess I'm I'm kind of th- this is my my I'm putting my lefty hat on now. Um, and that, uh, you know, unions are a great thing. And I hope that they, I hope that fighters do get unionized, uh, and kind of, uh, and kind of get paid more and, and some things happen, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll ever happen with the amount of fighters who are still willing to kind of fill in the spots when they're not, you know, and or when, when other fighters are talking about unionizing, you know. So did you, did you have any experience? I mean, not necessarily with UFC, but like with any promotion, did you have any instances where it wasn't maybe like, I wish I was getting paid more or anything like that, but like where you absolutely got fucked, like financially, I mean, medical and anything that was like notable to tell a story about after? No, I mean, I, so I was a victim of like fighting in the, the Dominican Republic where uh, we all got screwed on a card, but other than getting like not getting paid, I've never been you know like never been there's never been anything where i'm like wow that's really horrible you know uh as far as a a promotional thing you know people Um, people have been bitching about fighter pay for forever but like yeah you know everybody wants to make more money i get that and there are sometimes uh the most recent one that just comes to mind it was a few years ago uh tanya evinger got something like thirty five hundred dollars and it was a like a guarantee she had no win bonus and she won the fight and i was just like 3500 bucks for that and i mean you know tanya evinger isn't exactly brock lesnar or something like that right but still it's it's tanya evinger you'd think at this point in her career she should be making more than that now i don't i even when i used to cover mma and combat sports i never went on rants about this shit because uh it's the same as like judging i don't have any ideas to solve it so what am i gonna do uh when you see fighter pay, obviously you'd like your pay higher, but is it like, do you, do you get it? Like, yo, this is what the industry standard is. This is what you get paid. If you sign up, you should understand that going in. 
or do you? Uh, Go ahead. I think that's a real, I kind of think that's a real cold blooded way to look at it, you know, Um, because, because, so the the only reason it's the industry standard is because that's what one person or, or a group of people said it is, you know, uh, who are turning heavy profit margins at the top. It's not like the UFC is hurting for money. And so, you know, that's the only reason there is a, a, a market standard. Uh, I mean, that's kind of like my short answer for it. I mean, there, I mean, it's, I mean, really what dictates the market standard for fighter pay? I don't know. Do you? Well, That's no. The highest bidder and the highest right? bidder is always the biggest company, which is the UFC. Right, which is the right, which is kind of, and that's the thing is like, uh, so especially in fighting where there isn't this, there isn't a disclosure about all the revenue and stuff like that, and there mm-hmm. isn't like a, an agreement. I guess yeah, that that it is kind of like that's the market, that's that's it. But they're just the ones determining that, you know. It's not like there's like a there's not something driving that that like other than what they're than what they're saying and what they want their profit margin to be does that you know what i mean i I think a simpler i think a simpler way to ask the same question would be do you think ufc fighters for example should be on par with like nfl players and nba players like you're all pro athletes you're all at the highest level is that a conversation that people should have I think so. Uh, I think that it should be, you know, uh, it's just hard because it's such a, uh, I mean, it's a, it is a really new sport, you know, so we're not going to start having that conversation until, until something, you know, I don't even know what got that started in football and baseball and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh So, so what's the point when that, that conversation starts happening, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, do I think that there should be, you know, and Cubs brought up healthcare, I think a couple times publicly, uh, and there should be retirements for fighters and, and things like that, because again, there, there is all that stuff for pro athletes, you know, and as, and as much as we're independent contractors, we're not, you know, they're, they're not at a certain point. So I think the structure of it is, is you have to take a real systemic look at, at how you about how things are ran, you know, which, which I think is, you're not going to get even in the next 10 years, you know what I mean? I mean, I think what's so interesting about any kind of like sport like that, where people can be employed as contractors is, and I'm sure there, I don't know what the verbiage is. I've seen a few contracts, but like the legality of the general legality of contract work um, of any kind dictates that as a contractor or freelancer you cannot be required to use like be certain places at certain times to use certain services to use certain equipment like that is the nature of contract work is that you cannot be required to do all that and if you are they are obligated to treat you as an employee and i'm sure there is like some kind of loophole or verbiage that allows for this obviously to be the standard in yeah. sports or in the MMA, otherwise it wouldn't continue to happen. But I've never wrapped my brain. I've I've almost had legal battles myself over the contractor versus employee definitional legal standard, and that's a big part of it. And it's just right. not the way it works in MMA, and it blows my mind how that's possible. Well, yeah, I don't. And again, all that stuff is like would be way above my pay grade because I don't know how contract law or any of that stuff works. 
but yeah, I mean, like there's, if I'm an independent contractor or, or, you know, like, or a subcontractor essentially, like that means I can, I can take my services anywhere kind of a thing. And you can't really require me to do a lot of stuff that the OC does or, you know, or own my image kind of a thing, you know, it's, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, and I think a lot of fighters don't get it. I think we just want to fight, you know? Uh, and I think now that MMA is becoming the billion dollar business that it is, you're going to see some more heavy hitters on the legal side of fighters stepping into it, trying to figure out how they can, they can essentially make money off fighters as well. And that's going to mean them getting into some legal batter, battles with the bigger organizations, you know? Do you uh, see yourself ever going into that? I mean, like when you're, when you do decide to stop fighting, you know, you mentioned your wife was like, what are you going to do next? Do you see yourself going into like management or coaching or trade, any of that type of thing? No, I like, I like, so I, I had a gym for a while. I, I don't like running a gym. I like teaching people, but I really like, uh, I like making houses. I mean, I do, you know, I do uh, remodels and stuff like that. And I really enjoy that kind of work. So uh, I enjoy hitting people and getting hit. And that's about <laughs> it. That's as far as that's, you yeah. know, I, I, and you. I enjoy, and I like watching that, you know, but that's really, that's as far as I want to take my, my, my involvement in this. Like the, the whole idea of fucking hammering out a contract with somebody sounds boring as fuck to me. And I don't want to do that. You know, I mean, that's not, that's not why I got into to martial arts. I got into to fight people, you know, what about judging? Thought, yeah. Something you'd ever do? Yeah. I would, I think I would do judging and, uh, or officiating or something like that, because I think that's kind of cool and you get kind of a front row seat to it, you know? Uh, uh yeah i would do that it's just the idea of like of of coaching or or managing just seems fucking monotonous and <laughs> boring, you know i love it i love it i can see you enjoying um refereeing for sure i mean i don't know how you feel about being the guy that makes sure everything is absolutely on the up and up and perfect but i could see you loving to be still in the middle of things but not in the same way as you used to be yeah, that, I would love that. That that sounds great because again, you're you're kind of in it and you kind of have the adrenaline rush still going. And it's, I mean, like again, I'm an an adrenaline junkie, so being in it for that is one thing, you know. And then, uh, but but you know, but yeah, managing people just sounds fucking boring to me. You know, I have no interest in sitting down and hammering out contracts and walking away <laughs> feeling like I did something amazing. You know. You know, that you say that, though, I, I think the standard is, obviously, if you're going to stay in the sport to coach or train, maybe not manage so much. I don't know of, off the top of my head anyone else I can think of that went from fighting to officiating other than Trig, uh, and that, other than you mentioning it. Are there other fighters that have gone that route that you're aware of? I think Lieben does it a little bit. No I know shit. He, really? Yeah, yeah he does uh, some officiating on California. Uh but yeah, Frank Trigg is the only other one I can really think of. No, I, I want to see that happen more. Like we have this talk a lot when we talk about battle rap and like judged battles is that, you know, are, are battlers not the most qualified since they know yeah. literally all of it? I mean, same thing right. with fighters, right? Yeah. Who's, who's better to judge a, a rap battle than a, than a, a rapper, right? Or, or, and same thing with the fight, you know, who's better to officiate a fight than a fighter. They know what to look for. Do you think there would be any possibility of like bias there or no in sports? Uh, well, so 
I would like to say no, but we're all fucking people, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. like, I, there's no way I could officiate, like, a friend's fight. I'd be like, oh, yeah, man, fucking totally won that fight. And I would, like, DQ the guy for whatever he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Like, officiating is different than judging. Like, for well, officiating, still, like, there's a very okay. clear cut. If you touch the fucking fence, I'm taking two points. <laughs> Not even a point. I've taken a couple points, you know? All right, so we need to have Ike um, officiate in Siberia. Yeah. Yeah. No, nowhere I could be, I could influence anything, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. I would love to see it, though. Like, that would honestly be not at all what I would have expected you to say, but like, what a way to really stay involved because you have to keep up with things. You have to be actually involved. You can't just one Saturday be like, eh, maybe I'll call a fight today. No, and you have to, so you also have to continue to train, right? Because uh mma is an evolving sport and if you're not looking out for stuff constantly in it like it's it's passing you by so i think some of the best officials like john mccarthy and and i think herb trains and a few other guys still i mean i know they train you know so and so they they're constantly seeing the sport progress you know and i think if you're and that's a good way to stay involved not only with the with the fighting part of the the cool like being part of the promotion part and still having the adrenaline rush but you're also getting to train yourself and you have to continue to train you know so when these guys train do their calves grow or do they have tiny calves also well only john jones has the tiny calves (laughs) that dude i don't understand that dude is like he's an he's an anomaly like the first thing i looked at in those that picture when he posted the picture of him being all huge was his calves because i was like (laughs) fucking and I love it. I mean, like, I don't, I've always wondered how John, John is like one of the most explosive guys in the world. And then you look at his calves and you're like, how do you even do anything? <laughs> He's like, how do you stand? Honest to God, I laughed so fucking hard when I saw that because that has been, I've had some harsh criticisms of John over the years and I make no apologies for any of that. But one of the top ones has always been, I fear for his physical safety with heavy yeah. kickers because of his legs. Because of his legs, right? And you're like, yeah, I, I don't I get it because because you're like, how the fuck do you not get your legs chopped in half? Mm-hmm. And never mind the fact that it's not like he's a short, small guy with spindly legs. He's like ten feet tall. That's a lot of yeah. legs. Yeah, it's a lot of legs. Yeah. So back to the wrecking. One, one one of life's mysteries that we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> back to the refing thing for a quick second. Who do you think the one or some of the worst refs you've ever seen have been? Well, I know some of the best are Jason Herzog and and uh, and uh, that Mark Smith guy. But I, I mean, you can't ask me to say fucking who's the worst, and then they ref they, they ref your fight. Yeah, <laughs> that's a real dick move. Yeah, well, I figure you're gonna go with like a Kim Winslow, someone who's not even allowed to ref anymore. Um, yeah, we'll go with Kim then because she's not refing. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> she was brutal. Well, wow. I fuck. I knew. I know you're smart enough not to say fucking you know an active referee nowadays but I oh, think- i'm not that you're giving me way too much credit i'm not that <laughs> smart <laughs> it was funny when i uh i interviewed years ago ricardo almeida about um him moving into uh judging and uh i asked him about you know conflict of interest and he's like well i don't think they're gonna let me ref any or judge any of frankie eggers fights because you know they train together and shit but yeah he said, he said they, they 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 could they found a way to work around it and I'm like, I don't know. You're Ricardo Almeida. You got a lot of ties with a lot of people. Or 
you know, Henzo does or Frankie does or whoever the fuck does, right? There's third party ties even. Well, yeah. I, I, I'll answer the question. I pick Eve Levine. Really? Do you not recall him coming on my show and telling me I was an idiot? Yeah, oh. but that's a person. Well, you just thing. hate him personally, but that doesn't mean he's a bad rat, right? He fucked up real bad that yeah, one no, time. Yeah, no, he did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, when uh, Drago, Pete, Pete Sell, is, was his name? Yeah, he fought yeah. Uh, Matt Brown. He stopped the fight, then let it keep going. And Draco was out on his feet, stumbling around, and Matt Brad just kept fucking him up. Looking at Eve's, Eve's like, "Yo, stop this, man! What are we doing here?" That he fucked up huh. bad that time. So, a genuine question here, honestly, <laughs> not trying to get anybody to talk any shit. I have been quite disconnected, as I've said earlier recently. I feel like compared to yesteryear, there has been a moderate amount of Herb Dean slander in the last couple of years. Now, is that slander, or have there been some questionable situations? Uh, I, I think if you so, I think Herb's a very good ref, uh, and I think if you, just like any other career, uh, if you're doing it a lot, you're gonna you you're gonna make you're gonna make mistakes, you know, and it's just it sucks because the mistakes come at people's house. But I mean, like, you know, Herb's a good ref, I think. Uh, he, it, again, he does, a, he refs a fucking lot of fights, you know? Oh, right. Uh, so, and I don't, I, I like Herb too. So I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I've never seen it. I mean, if we're, it's, being, it's, if we're being fair, Herb is my favorite. Like, I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to get anybody's shit on him. No, I just I feel like I, I've noticed commentary a lot more often recently than I ever used to. And I was like, I can't picture Herb like going off the rails, but I don't watch that much anymore. So I don't uh, know if this is like internet interneting or if something like happened. Well, and I think that, so again, Herb, you know, if you let a fight go for too long, everybody's going to jump down your, your throat and they're going to look for anything that you do down at, at that point. So if Herb made a bad call at one point, everybody's going to start jumping down his throat because that's what the internet does, like you said, you know? True. True. True that. Oh. I was just curious. I love Herb. I have no Herb slander here. I hope you're yeah. forever. And I like, I like Herb too. I, and I was just trying to think of a way to put that because I, I mean, again, Herb has made just like anybody else probably made some mistakes in there, you know, uh, you know, if you show me somebody who hasn't made a, made a few mistakes in, in their career, then I'd, I'd be fucking pretty amazed, you know, outside of being the actual, you know, the actual fighter in the cage, the one doing the punching and getting punched. Would you say that refereeing is the second hardest job or the hardest job? Uh, I would say, so I would say refereeing and honestly, you know, this is where I will give Dana and a shitload of props is uh, promote promoting is fucking hard, man, especially at that level, you know, like whatever, whatever Dana White is doing, uh, he does they, in the UFC, the like the kind of the UFC machine, they do it really well because I mean, they promote the hell out of their fighters. So I'd imagine that I think promoting is pretty tough because you watch a lot of organizations fold real quickly because they can't, they don't know how to promote stuff, you know? So uh, refereeing and promoting, I would think, you know, when you first uh, got that call to the UFC, what were some of the biggest things you noticed, like handled behind the scenes at the venue, all that shit compared to where you came from? 
Uh, what? So they just had uh, the UFC has their shit together. They're a well-oiled machine. Um, mm. You know, I I was always impressed. Uh, there was a woman named Melissa Hendricks who was with them, who was like the operations manager at the point, I think. Mm-hmm. Or I, and she was, I mean, just watching her work, she was badass. I mean, they they are well oiled. They've always seemed to have been a well oiled machine when I was there. You know, compared to like kind of the shit show that is uh, regional MMA. You know, uh, and even even the well organized regional cards are still not the same as like the the UFC. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even working media for regionals or even like a Bellator compared to UFC, yeah, it's a big difference. I, I remember it, one of the UFCs I covered, they had like a fucking spread for the media. Sandwiches, yeah, donuts, and yeah, muffins. Always. I was like, what the fuck is this? My favorite thing to do was to go in after a fight <laughs> or like if somebody else was fighting, you can go into the media room and steal all their food. Dude, honestly, I remember one time not wanting any of the food and people were like, excuse me, what? And I was like, I don't, I'm good. And like, it was like offensive to not get in on the media spread. Yeah, you have to. It's like, <laughs> it's like not taking advantage of craft services on a movie set or something. Like, why, why the fuck wouldn't you? Do you well, remember, do you remember the MFC is based in Edmonton, Alberta? God. Mark Pavlovich? Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Came, they came to uh, Ontario, the province I live in, one time. And uh, the reason Mark said he's never coming back is because he can't use a ring here for MMA. You have to use a cage. So that pissed him off because he liked doing the, the ring. So that's why he never came back. But so they did one show here and I went to it and uh, like they had buckets of like, ice with well, water bottles in them. The water bottles had MFC labels on them. The, the little plates you take for the little spread they had had MFC labels on them. Everything you could see had MFC labels on them. That guy was all about branding. You, I don't, I, and I mean, I'm sure they didn't, you know, uh, contract the water from some water company and get them a bottle and everything. They probably made the labels, cut the labels off fucking Evian or something and wrapped them around and stuck them. Yeah. I mean, brand. So they, the guy from MFC, from what I remember, was really, really, I mean, he was pretty, he did a, a pretty good deal, right? I mean, like, and, and branding is a big part of that. Again, yeah. promotion. So I, I mean, uh promotion branding all that kind of stuff like is is super important so if he's doing that it's impressive you know yeah mark pavlich had a good run it's just i mean the reputation that i was told from a lot of people basically and i heard this line more than once he's a used car salesman (laughs) so he did a good job with his organization every 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 fucking every promoter is a used car salesman (laughs) (laughs) that's like that's like, yeah, fucking duh, dude. I mean, you're not, you're not saying anything new. You know, I mean, uh, it's that's what it's kind of what promotion is. You know, you're you're selling. I mean, you're fucking selling a, a, a some goods that you're not sure if they're gonna work or not. Really, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best explanation. You're on fire with the explanations tonight. I'm trying. I'm trying, but I mean, like, really, MMA, MMA is a real new sport, and so like it really is like there's a certain amount of fucking shake and bake that goes into fucking pushing uh, it, you know? speaking of promotion wait a minute speaking of promotion i always get the vibe from you that you extra love the bare knuckle thing because you're like that's a real fighters fighting is is that really how you feel or is that just like you're selling your fights uh 
You mean like you're like, like well, it's vi- it's more violent. It's more blood. It's more real fight. Like I always get this feeling from you that you're like, I like bare knuckle because it's bare knuckle. Uh, I I do because it is so. That's that isn't. Uh, there's something very thrill. I like it because it's it's like that next level of of adrenaline. It's that, that much more thrill. You know, I mean, it's fucking scary. So. I like it because it's bare knuckle and it's very much combat, you know? I don't even know. Have you had any serious injuries throughout your career? Uh, just my back. Just your back, yeah. Yeah. Just my back. But, I mean, other than that, everything's pretty pretty superficial. I had to get, like, a arm surgery for stuff getting broken and shit. But, I mean. <laughs> no big deal. Well, you, you know, serious injury is, like, I think less of an arm break and more of, like, you blew your ACL or something like that, you know? Coming from the guy that doesn't want to see legs flopping around online anymore, I really thought that's where you were going to go with that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't, I never want to see that again. But I mean, like, that's a pretty serious injury. But I mean, like, you know, uh, just a regular break or something. I mean, like, there's nothing worse than soft tissue damage because you just, you're immobilized, you know? Uh, I feel like a break isn't that bad. I still never want to see that shit again, but. <laughs> Bro, can we talk though for a moment? Like, not to take away from how traumatic and horrifying and awful that is, but like, what are the literal fucking odds of that being the same person involved in both? Oh, I know, I know. I I like half my half or uh, half my thing was horror of watching Chris's like. Are you leaving? Hold on for one second. Are you taking off? Where are you guys going? Uh, Target and get my car washed and um the bank. Okay, sorry, I'm doing a podcast. Uh, sorry, I was saying goodbye to my wife real quick. Bring home a new pair of Crocs. <laughs> Did you hear that? Uh, she hates, so my wife hates that I wear Crocs. And she got me Crocs, and I wear them everywhere. And I'm like, and she hates that I wear them everywhere. She should. She's like, yeah, she's like, why? Why are you doing that? Because they're like walking on clouds. But anyway. Yeah, they're, they're really nice. But they're, she says they're unflattering. Okay, Here, here's the fairest assessment. They are the ugliest thing ever known to man. But if you've ever worked in a hospital, nursing home, kitchen, or anywhere like that, you would absolutely be as ugly as possible to have your feet feel good like that. Yeah. Get a chin in there. <laughs> she said it's in there. Like I wear mine. Out, I, I do wear mine in an obsessive amount, like to dinners and like, and stuff nice like that. Dinners. Yeah, nice dinners. Her oh, friend got a promotion in the military, and I wore it out to dinner. Bro, see, oh. we should have we should have had her on. We went yeah. all along with this. This went sideways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do love I do love that she's touching your balls by buying them, and I love that you were absolutely driving her crazy by continually posting them. Oh yeah, she hates it. I mean, she she <laughs> she realizes that she did something very wrong by buying me those. Uh, okay sorry back to the odds of chris weidman oh yeah so chris snapping his leg or uh weidman yeah chris weidman that's his name uh that's his name i couldn't remember for a second because i'm dumb uh yeah but (laughs) his leg is fucking that was nuts uh yeah the odds of it happening i mean like that was half my amazement. It was like, oh my God, that's awful. And oh my God, that was Weidman doing the exact same fucking thing that happened with him. I watched I watched earlier this week. He was on um, Ariel's show, whatever it's called now. Um, I think it's called the Ariel Helwani MMA show or some shit like that. But anyway, um, 
uh, Weidman was on there and I watched that segment of it. And uh, he was saying that uh, he started singing when he was in the cage, when they first started trying to like stabilize him so they could move him. And uh, he started singing and you know, Ariel asked him, well, why the hell were you singing? And he's like, I just did not want to think about that at all. So I started doing anything else to take my mind off of it. Yeah. Started singing. And I mean, part of that has to also be some sort of shock, I would think. Oh, I'd imagine so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something horrific just happened to you. It's the same thing as like, I just kind of like, I do the same thing when I cut myself or something weird at work. You know, you just kind of like, you kind of go into a weird weird state mm. what about what was the oh my god i'm drawing the biggest blank and i tweeted about this for days i don't know how i don't remember who it was what about the recent finger thing that same oh, thing yeah 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 the finger's not i mean you got 10 of them right so I, <laughs> no look i you're the, I, I used to be an emt i worked er i am one of those morbid motherfuckers that thinks this shit is fascinating however when you see it as often as you do when something like that happens in mma all the tweets all the gifts all the videos all the interviews it actually gives you time to think thoroughly about it and actually like put yourself in that thought like what if that happened to me it's not just like a, oh my gosh i gotta help this person go on autopilot and yeah. I turn into this person where people who know me are like, what is wrong with you? Like, you think shit like that is cool. And I'm like, it's cool when you see it for an hour and fix it and send them home. It's not cool to see it on a loop for six fucking months. Ah! Yeah. 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 I guess, yeah, that's bad. But I was, I did, I did want to follow up on it. And I didn't, that like the one thing I missed after. So when it happened the first time with Anderson, I was in Vegas for that fight. And I just remember it being such a chaotic, obviously like chaotic, frenetic thing that I wasn't at that time following what like Twitter was saying as much. Like I was still podcasting. I was still with the last website me and Jason were both with. I was still doing all this stuff. So I didn't pay attention to like a lot of the chatter. And so now when it happened again with Chris, I was a little surprised and I'll admit I didn't go Google it, which is why we're talking about it now because I too am dumb. Um, I didn't realize that at some point he purportedly said when it happened to Anderson that that was karma or he deserved it or he trained for that or something. Was that a real thing that happened? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So apparently when it happened to Chris, people were like, I saw a boatload of people being like, that's that karma. That's that karma. And I was like, what in the world? Like Chris is a nice guy. Yeah, super nice guy. Right. And then I finally started seeing people saying like, that's what you get for doing interviews right after it happened to Anderson talking about training for that very scenario. And I was like, what? That's not. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Longo was teaching him like how to check leg kicks i'm sure chris had you know some idea to check leg kicks but really teaching him how to do it really well because of anderson's whipping fucking leg kicks and uh the 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 intention wasn't like this is how we're gonna win the fight and break his shin but i mean if you get it you get enough leg kicks checked you're gonna start second thinking before you start whipping them right it's gonna cause some problems right so that's what it was but i the the one the the thing i think that people were going on about which is I mean, stupid kind of. It is stupid. Fucking Chris celebrated after the victory. Now, uh, uh, not like Chris Weidman and I are good friends, but over the years, I interviewed him tons of times. 
and uh, built a good rapport with him. It's not like he was an asshole. And if you also remember, after uh, Anderson broke his leg, the corner audio came out of Ray Longo saying, good, fuck him. Ray Longo said afterwards, it wasn't like he was like, his legs broke, good, fuck him. He was hyped up even, right? And they're like, oh, Anderson's injured. He's like, good, fuck him. And it's Ray Longo. I mean, what do you want him to say? That guy's not the type of dude who's going to be like, oh, no, is he going to be okay? That's not how Ray Longo talks. (laughs) The criticism was... uh, I think very unfair towards Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and at a certain point, especially like right after it, it, something happens, you know, you're like the coach's energy is up, your energy is up, mm-hmm. you say some shit about, I mean, you just want a fucking big fight. And it's it's not like a sporting, like a, any other sporting event. It's an actual fight, yep. you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's, I, I think the karma people are dumb. I think that people reading into what was said right after the Anderson fight is dumb because Chris, is, like you said, he's a good dude. I mean, I don't think that he would, you know, he don't, yeah. So here's the thing. So I always check somebody, I check a uh, leg kicks and I want to hit your ankle every time, right? Because mm-hmm. I want the fight to end. I'm not, I'm trying to break your fucking ankle so you don't kick me again. Mm-hmm. Do I want that to happen? No. But if it <laughs> happens, but you know, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things. You all are also fighting another human being, so I, I don't know what people expect. You know, that's like another thing that uh, has caught a lot of criticism over the past five years or so. Uh, John does it a lot. Holly Holm does it a lot, and you've seen other fighters pick it up more, but not do it as much. That like turning stomp on the knee when your leg is yeah. completely extended, you're standing on it. It's not illegal, um, so like fucking. And I'm sure none of those people really want to snap the person's leg completely in half, but it is an effective move and it can hyperextend your leg. It can fuck up the way you move in the fight. It can make you, you know, try to avoid it so you can't get your offense off. It's a it's a legit technique and it's not illegal. Yeah, and it's a again, as as and at the base of this, it's a sport and everything, but you're in a fight with somebody, so you're trying to hurt them and they're trying to hurt you. Yep. <laughs> I mean, people I, I think this is where I get like a little people need to fucking ease up on 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 shit. I think there's classy ways to handle when you hurt somebody, but like you're fucking trying to hurt somebody, yeah. you know? They call it the hurt business for a reason. Oh shit. And look yeah. at the, the Chris Weidman thing, right? Like he beat Anderson and Anderson was like unbeatable. You know what I mean? He had this mystique. He's on this huge run, champion forever at middleweight. Chris beats him by knocking him out. And uh, people are like, well, Anderson was clowning. He didn't take it seriously. So the rematch happens, and Chris beats him again, right? Like, it's not like, fucking his leg's broken. He was celebrating about that. The emotion going through him must have been insane. Like, I beat the guy that people, a lot of people say is the GOAT. I beat him fucking yeah, twice. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, like, that's something to celebrate, you know? Not yeah. the leg break. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't want anything... I didn't want to see that ever again. I if they never ever talked about that or any of the fallout after it again, I would have been absolutely okay with all of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, on another random note, because that's what I do here at the show, um, <laughs> talking about fighters that maybe we don't talk about so much anymore. I learned recently, because of you, actually, that Sean McCorkle still exists. Because of me. Yes, I saw uh, you. What did you who did you retweet? Adam Hunter, uh, the oh, podcast. Yeah, the, 
the big sexy he because he was interviewing Sean McCorkle. I did, honest to God, I forgot that guy. I used to have him on my show pretty often. I forgot he even is he still fighting? I don't know what he's doing. Uh, honestly, I don't think he is, but he's always pretty entertaining. That's a word, yeah. Um, but you do know, you do know what Adam's doing. So what has he been up to? Uh, I mean, he's doing his comedy stuff, and I mean, he's got a kid and everything, which is cool, you know? I like Adam a lot. I think, uh, uh, I think he's a good, I mean, he's a really good dude, you know? I mean, like, he's a, he's a good dude and a good dad, you know? So I dig that dude. Uh, I like seeing him whenever I can, you know, he's a, like he's he's a genuinely good person so it's always nice hearing from him you know did he i feel like i saw somewhere didn't did he recently end up signing for some kind of series or like a contract with a company or is he on like fight pass with his shows like what he's doing something yeah he got on fight pass and i don't exactly know uh i think he just had a special on fight pass and that was it i don't understand why because I don't right. fight pass. I've never once ever fight passed. Never. And I refuse I, to. So is that a thing that they do on there? I don't know. I don't fight pass either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've I, never. I did it when I was with them and, and, uh, and they gave it to us a, a, a subscription for free. I did it. And then uh, I haven't really watched it since, except for when there was like fights on that I wanted to see before they went to ESPN. You, you know what he did? Actually, I completely forgot about this until just now. Ad, I don't know how they decided on who these people were going to be or who it was that knew people that knew people. But when everything first shut down last year, um, I was still living in Brooklyn. And the closest or maybe the only like super legit like comedy club in Brooklyn also had a bar, as you might imagine. So like they were trying to limp along by selling um liquor because they changed the laws so you could have carry out at that time um and but one of the things they were trying to do to like bring in money to even just pay their staff right at that point was instead of trying to have shows they were having comics get on zoom they would have like three four five six people and like a host on a zoom call and um there was no like structure which probably was the best part it wasn't like a stand-up it wasn't a roast it wasn't improv it was just people shooting the shit but they happen to be comics and um you could pay whatever if you didn't have the money you didn't have to pay to watch it if you had money you could donate whatever you wanted it was actually really dope. they did this for months and months and months and i would get all these emails about it because i'd gone to the club in person at the time and I was like, God damn it. Like, everybody's really struggling. I understand why you're email bombing every fucking person on your list. But, like, come on with these emails. And no sooner did I think that, the next day I get this email. Live tonight, Adam Hunter. And I'm yeah. like, what? And so I hopped on. And as it happened, I am dumb again. And I was wearing my Korean zombie shirt. And so of the like 300 people, Adam's like, hey, somebody's in here wearing a Korean zombie shirt. And I was like, this is not the time nor place to remind you that you do know me. And so now I have to turn off my camera because I hate this. And yes. I've never, I don't think I've ever even followed him since then because I was just like mortified. Ah. Well, that, but, that, but he was hilarious. It was awesome. That, that was like yeah. a really good venue for him to like just sit around with like three other comics and just shoot the shit and be him. Yeah. 
I did one of those. I w- was on one of those Zoom things, and it was really cool to be. I mean, I was glad he was doing it because uh, all that stuff was kind of any kind of like comedy or normalcy was kind of nice during the pandemic, you know. Do you know if the people participating in it were getting paid? I assumed from a lot of the actual Brooklynites that were doing it, they were donating their time, but I was always curious how that worked. Do you know? Yeah, I, I have no idea either. You know, I feel like a lot of stuff. I feel like a lot of people did a lot of st- donation donating stuff during the pandemic just to fucking keep morale in the country up, you know? Um, I'm not going to lie. The weirdest shit after that, because then after he was on, then I was like watching the emails because I was like, why the fuck was Adam Hunter on this thing randomly? Uh, right. And so then they had Macaulay Culkin on like every other week for like two months, which was also weird. And so yeah. it was actually bizarrely entertaining, though, because he's actually not that funny. But um, it was really weird to see that sit there for like an hour and listen to this guy who, since we were kids, has been in and out of the news and drugs and Michael Jackson. Like you hear all this crazy, weird shit, right? And he actually sat there for like an hour, which seemed like a lifetime when you trapped at home in New York City at that point in time like talking about what it was like growing up in Manhattan in the 80s and early 90s and how life actually was as a kid. It was like really, really cool. And I never thought, thank you, COVID, that I would have found myself as an adult human being saying, I just enjoyed listening to Macaulay Culkin talk for two hours. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, me either. I don't think I'll ever say that still. I don't think most people would say that, but I I say all of that to say, like, what did you, you know, the kind of work you're doing, if, I don't know if you were shut down at all, and if you can't train or couldn't for a while, what were you doing early last year? Oh, so we, so again, my, my main source of income is remodeling houses and we got even busier. So yeah, we got super busy. Uh, People were sitting around with a bunch of time on their hands and nowhere to go looking at stuff they wanted done at the house. So it was a, it was kind of a good time to be in the business. And, uh, and so I, I had, a have always, as far as the training and stuff, I had a home gym that, or, you know, I have like a, when I say a home gym, some bags in my garage and shit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, work-wise we got super busy. I never slowed down during the pandemic and I was pretty grateful for that. Neither did, neither did my wife with her job, you know? So we're, we're, we got really, really lucky. Um, you know, because a lot of people took a, took it on the chin really hard for the during the pandemic, and we we didn't. You know, and I you're worked. out here like, please, more stimulus checks, not for me, but for all these bored assholes that want to work on their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I work, uh, I work in uh, the construction industry as well, but not like actually building shit. I I should be allowed to touch tools at all, um, <laughs> but uh, are you finding Thank now that. there's a shortage on? uh supplies and plus a, a huge increase in fucking lumber steel oh. and everything lumber yeah lumber's up ridiculous amounts yeah. and it's hard to get stuff uh you know everybody's blaming one guy or another for it and i'm just i mean things just things are ridiculous right now so yeah, yeah lumber i mean i so a few years ago uh, two by four was two ninety eight at Lowe's down here, and now it's seven bucks or or north of seven bucks. What for a two by four? It's it's ridiculous. We, really, it's crazy. Like yeah. I so, saw people saying that about lumber, but I never had any like idea of the prices, and that is insane. Yeah, it is insane. And any anybody who's so I'm going to blame Trump squarely just because I don't like the guy. Uh, 
but uh <laughs> but a lot of people are blaming biden and all that kind of stuff but i don't i don't know i mean i think the market was just reacting to everything being shut down and not being able to move and stuff you know um on this is way not trump but since everybody loves to blame everybody i saw so many people today and yesterday specifically blaming biden about gas prices forget yeah, the whole, forget the pipeline thing because that had nothing to do with it um but that's what made me think of this. I'm not going to talk about Biden or Trump because this will turn into an entirely different show. And while you and I are of the same ilk, I don't feel like getting in a conversation about any of that. I just want to know if you followed any of the pipeline stuff, did you see today that they finally did announce that that company did actually pay $5 million in ransom? Did they really? Yes, they they announced, or I don't know if they announced it. They probably didn't want to announce anything, but yeah. um, I guess it came out earlier today that after saying late last week that they were absolutely not paying ransom, that they did actually pay $5 million. Yeah, $5 million is probably a drop in the bucket for that company compared to what they're losing. Right, right. So that was actually one of the things that came out afterwards that like people that work in cybersecurity and, and oil and all that were saying, man, for that kind of ransom that or for that kind of company you would expect like 25 35 mil minimum like that these people only ask for 5 million means that they aren't as experienced as we think yeah. they are or they knew they were about to get fucked yeah that's like me going into it i mean like really kind of going oh i, I could probably get 5 million out of these people <laughs> and some, that and seems some like longer. a round number I need gas and lumber while you're at it, sir. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got to shoot your shot, right? Right. All right, Isaac, before I let you get out of here, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Because there's a few things I could see you wanting to plug as far as mental health stuff, recovery stuff like that, or business stuff, or telling one of these goddamn promoters to give you a fucking fight. The floor is yours, my friend. So I will always say one of these goddamn promoters give me a fight. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, as far as the mental health stuff, there's nothing, there's no place in particular. Uh, there, there's some places local that are really helpful, but I mean, like nationwide and stuff, I just, I continue to hope that people just reach out and say when they're hurting and, and ask for help, you know, it's the biggest thing that we can do. And, and really that's about it. You know, uh, I, I hope to God that we all get through this, uh, without as much craziness as we've seen in the past year and a half uh and that people like really start to open up about what's going on with them because i think even people's reaction to COVID is is uh is a little bit weirder than it needs to be you know mm -hmm. so that's it that's i don't have it. any anything to plug <laughs> i mean you can plug your twitter you are a good follow yeah. Oh, yeah. Follow me at IkeBF on Twitter. And, and Instagram's a new thing with the kids. So follow me there, too. And, and I'll post a whole lot of pictures. Someone give this man a fight. Yeah. Somebody please give me a fucking fight. <laughs> for Christ's sakes. All right. Thanks for your time. Look forward to doing right. this again. Isaac, yeah, for sure. Volley, Flag, Amy Barton, Kro Kosaski. I'm Jay Kelly. This is The Building Downtown. We out. Peace. Building downtown, building downtown, building downtown. Building downtown.